Mission to the Point podcast. Everybody's doing well. And today, wow, it's Thursday, January 6th. And at least I think it's the 6th. And you'd think, well, we're starting a new year, COVID fatigue, that's real. And but there's probably not a lot to talk about in the world of sports. Hockey, there's only so many games every night. No games in Canada, hardly, unless you got the sports in that game on Wednesday night hockey. That just has to be played. Money. But football's winding down. So the last week, there's players sitting out. Joe Mixon, Joe Burrow, potentially the whole Dallas Cowboys starting offense. COVID, again, COVID, Micah Parsons has COVID. And, you know, normally football would be the, the lead topic today. And it might be. I still haven't decided yet, but today is such a fun podcast because, you know, when I was younger and I grew up watching sports, I always used to root for and, you know, admire the really nice people, you know, Sidney Crosby, Roger Federer, you know, just the classy, classy athletes, even one of my faves, Scott Niedermeyer. But these great athletes, great men, great people. They don't give you the the headline that really makes people want to be like, well, that's an interesting topic. It's very moon mist. It's very nice. It's very put together. It's a well put together sentence. Not so much like the monologue I'm giving right now, but it, it serves its purpose where they go through this long diatribe and say nothing. Well, as I've, started a podcast as i've consumed media as i think i've gotten smarter over the years i'm realizing these people that i admired like scott niedemeyer like the all-time greats they aren't exactly who i want to talk about every day here they aren't going to create material for me on a thursday january 6th because they're just moon mist they're just blasé they're just, let's move on, let's play the game. And they're great athletes. And I would never criticize their play unless it was deserved. But they, they were fine. And I grew up liking that. But as I've changed, as I've grown, I've realized that it's the X factors. It's the off the beaten path athletes. It's the Maybe not the person you'd like to have a beer with, or maybe the dick, for lack of a better term, that creates a headline, that creates narratives, that gives you opportunities to talk about different things. You look at the show's last couple of days, everywhere in sports media, what's it been about? Antonio Brown. Is Antonio Brown a good person? No. Is Big Ben Roethlisberger a good person? Not really by most people. So again, sometimes it's just certain people. And I look at what um, the two lead stories today. It's not Toronto Edmonton. I will get there for everybody, you know, tuning in to hear about that coverage last night about that, just a game you couldn't miss. Uh, But today is about Aaron Rodgers. And it's about Novak Djokovic. And oddly enough, of course, we are in 2022, almost two years into these never-ending pandemic. 
But these two stories are intertwined with COVID, but for vastly different reasons. And, oh, it's just so fascinating. These, these two stories are, they have so, if they were an orange, they were, you know, it is just loaded with pulp. There's so much juice to squeeze out of this story. And let's start with Djokovic because, yeah, the, this, uh, this story. So if you guys haven't heard, Living Under a Rock, I'm here for you. So a week from Sunday, which would be a week from Monday in Australia, they're a day ahead, but a week from Sunday here in Atlanta, Canada, the 2022 Australian Open will kick off. And, you know, it's a big major. And why, you might ask. Well, Roger Federer, Rafael Nadal, and Novak Djokovic all have 20 major titles. And that means that Novak Djokovic, with a victory in Melbourne, where he's already won nine times, would break the all-time majors record, which he will do regardless if he plays in this tournament because he's the best player in the world and he has been for four to five years. But this is his favorite tournament. It's the biggest lock for him to win a major. He's only won two at the French. He started to dominate Wimbledon since Federer has gotten old and not competing anymore. But nevertheless, you see where I'm going with this. It is his lock tournament. So it should be okay. Well, it's all systems go. Let's get Novak to Melbourne, start training. He'll get there, try to win the major title. Well, there is a speed bump, if you will. And that would be that Novak Djokovic has been a public, has been a proud, has been a boisterous anti-vaxxer. And that's fine. I'll give him credit. He uh, is open about it, not like the person we'll talk about in the next story, but he is an anti-vaxxer. He doesn't believe in it. Totally fine. No problem with that. Again, i am got my vaccine, but you're entitled to your opinion. You're a human being. No problem. However, in Australia, they have been very, very strict when it comes to COVID. Almost authoritarian when it comes to how strict they've been for over 300 days citizens in australia were under lockdown that's right 300 days it's almost a year so you could say they've been a little bit scared of covid which maybe that's the right thing to do maybe it's better than stopping and starting like this country or this province in particular but we won't get into that today because i Nevertheless, they, their rules in Melbourne, Australia, you must be vaccinated to enter our country. Now, I don't have a problem with that either, because that's your country. You have your, it's your decision. If you don't want to, if you want to go travel, get your vaccine. If you want to travel and don't want to get a vaccine, go to Florida. No problem with that either. They'll welcome you with a, you know, with a, with a cake in arms just to welcome you down there. They, they love you down there. But that's the rules. You might disagree with it. That's just the way it is. So really, it was a stalemate because before Christmas, we're hearing, well, I don't think Novak's going to be able to go because he's not vaccinated. He's not getting the vaccine. 
He's an, he's anti-vax. He, you know, so then it comes out, well, he's been granted permission to go, which really struck me. But then I said, well, I know why. And it's simple. And it's honestly, this is part of the story that, that I'll take a sidebar and talk about the sport of tennis. Certain sports struggle to market athletes, struggle to find that next person that they want to, you know, reach onto and really promote, really try to grow the game. For 20 plus years, tennis has been fortunate to have Roger Federer, Rafael Nadal, Novak to a certain extent, and the Williams sisters. Because in the men and women's game, you didn't have to find a second in command. You didn't because you had superpowers at every major. Serena, 23 major titles. Combined 60 between Nadal, Djokovic, and Federer. For two decades, it has been a complete domination of the sport. But like in every sport, father time is undefeated. And eventually, those great stars get old. Roger Federer should have retired multiple years ago. He's trying to come back. He's already said he might not play in 2022. He's done. Okay. See you later. This isn't golf where you can find a resurgence late in your life and you need to be in terrific shape to be in tennis. Sorry, golfer. Even though I love that sport too, but you get my point. In the women's game, it's even worse than the men because in, in the men's game, they've tried to promote Daniil Medvedev. And to his credit, he's really improved his English speaking. Kudos to him that you need to, to be a star. That's just part of the job is to learn English and to be fluent. Look at Alex Ovechkin. He's a star. He would not be as big of a star if he couldn't speak as good English as he does now. There's a reason Artemi Panarin is not one. It's because he doesn't speak fluent English. You need to. Then the women's game. Well, maybe you, I, I could say, well, the women's game isn't completely at fault. But because it's such a, there's so much fluidity. Every tournament, any woman could win. And that sounds oxymoronic, but it's, it's, the, it's the truth. Look at this last Grand Slam, if you remember, in New York. Layla Annie Fernandez and Emma Ranikanu met in the final. They're both teenage girls, young women. They were both unranked coming into the tournament. And they meet in the major final. So when you find a young phenom, a young woman that you could say, well, let's market her. Let's try to do something. It seems to be a pitfall because they don't keep up that success. Just look in this country. Eugenie Bouchard is off planet Earth. She does more modeling than she does playing tennis. And when she does play tennis, she's out before you even know the tournament has started. Bianca Andreescu. She's known more for dog commercials and having mental health issues than playing tennis. That might sound harsh, but it, it's the truth again. She hardly played in the last two plus years. But even Yelena Ostapenko won the 2017 French Open at 17. She hasn't been back to a major quarterfinal since. 
So tennis has struggled to find these next up and comers. So the Australian Open, which is on the mothership, is saying to themselves and the tournament in general, are people going to show up to watch Stefano Sessipas and Daniil Medvedev in a Grand Slam final? And diehard tennis fans will. But for the others that see these highly, highly priced tickets, well, it's not Nadal, Federer, Djokovic, or the person on TV, the Grand Slam final begins at 4 a.m. our time because it's in Australia. Guess what? I'll get my ass up to watch it regardless. But is the general person going to? Likely not. Are they going to PVR it if it's not Nadal or Djokovic? Maybe not, right? If you can't sell tickets, if nobody's watching on TV, you might as well not have a tournament because you're making no money. So getting back to Djokovic, this is where we are. The tournament and in partnership, the mothership, say we're going to allow Novak Djokovic into our tournament. Even though the guidelines are by Australia, if you're not vaccinated, kick rocks, buddy. But that's, that's the rules of engagement. That, that's money talks. That's the reason he's going. And so I'm fine with that, by the way, because you got to make your dime. And if it's against maybe your code of conduct, but you want to make money, people have done a lot worse for a lot less. So tennis, learn from this, that it's a bad, that you haven't marketed well enough to have, that you're confident that others could sell your product. That's where you need to look in the mirror and say, we failed on a grand scheme level, that we don't have enough stars to say, we're confident that people are going to tune into our product, even without these, you know, the, toy you know the really sparkly toy that, that we have dangled here so yesterday Novak Djokovic flies into Victoria Australia and he's at the airport and this report comes out that his visa has been denied and I'm like okay well what's going on here well if you recall I said the tournament granted him access the mothership but Australia itself didn't, because like I said, they have been super strict. You're not coming. You could be Novak Djokovic, Tom Hanks, the queen of fucking England. You're not coming in here. Get your, get a jab. We'll, we'll gladly lo- let you in. Otherwise, bye-bye. So he gets to the airport. He's put in a holding you know, like a detain room, the interviewing room. And he doesn't have enough, he doesn't have his vaccine, doesn't have a, the barcode or even the, the little card you show to get into a restaurant here. So it's, yeah, no, like you're, you're, not, you're not getting in here. Sorry. They might've said you can, but guess what? They don't run this country. We do. So now... He is taking this to court. He was detained overnight at a hotel. His mother has since gone done an interview, say they're holding it, uh, her son hostage. The president of Serbia says he's basically being treated like a war criminal. 
And I, I'll be honest, I don't like Novak Djokovic. I don't. I, he's, he's, I think he thinks he's a lot smarter than he thinks he is. I think he thinks he's a lot smarter than the average person. And who knows, he might be smarter than me, you, and Dupree. But I know he's stuck in a, in a, in a cell in Australia. And guess what? I'm sitting here free. So there is a level of, of comedy here because it's Djokovic and he's an elite and he thinks he's, you know, this really enlightened guy. And, uh, you know, he's like a snob. But again, this is the country's rules. He's taking this to court. And what will interest me over the next, because the tournament starts, like I said, a week Sunday. So it's Thursday now, Friday in Melbourne. I look at it and say, what, what will the, the tournament, does the tur- is the tournament going to have a say in this? Will they be able to speak to the federal government in Australia and say, yo, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, hi, uh, yeah, we, uh, we, uh, yeah, we, we, we just got, we got, we got to talk, not, not, not too loud here, but we, we really need the, that Djokovic guy. Yeah, we, 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 we need him. We need him in the tournament. Yeah, real badly. Could we like slip you some cash or could do some favors, get some free tickets? You know, what, what, what kind of, what do you have to promise the government to get this done? Because the tournament, again, is dying for this. Because other, the proof is in the pudding. Otherwise, they just say, no, you're not coming. Them allowing him, knowing he's unvaccinated, is pissing off the government. It's going against what the country has stood for for the past two plus years. And now I just look at this and say, it's funny. It's funny because you know Djokovic is stewing over this. He's sitting in his little cell and you know he's just irate. But to the tournament's credit, even if he doesn't say he's not allowed to compete, this publicity, I think, helps the Australian Open because they're talking about it. It's mainstream. Pardon the interruption last night, still the most, most watched show on the mothership. Kornheiser and Wilbon just, just destroyed him. Destroyed him. The main ticket, the main headline on pardon the interruption is Novak Djokovic in the in by osmosis. The Australian Open. So maybe they allowed him because they figured maybe shit will hit the fan here. Now, does him not being there? I think it makes it more interesting as you get later into the tournament to see who's going to win the tournament that Djokovic should have won. Because you know some people out there, the anti-vax part of the uh, of the uh, of the world. Maybe there's some of you, which 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 is fine. You're going to be like. This is bullshit. Djokovic should be should be winning his 21st major. Or, which could be even more interesting. I think Nadal's going. He hasn't confirmed yet, but I believe he is. Because he spoke yesterday and he kind of he doesn't like Djokovic. They don't like each other. And he said, you know, Djokovic could be there if he wanted to be, which is a little backhanded slap at him, which good for Nadal. But what if? The Djokovic supporters, the anti-vaxxers who 
probably didn't even know Novak's name before, but he's with us. He's our brother in arms or sister. In They'll be pissed off watching in contempt as Nadal breaks Federer's record before Djokovic does, which would be even more interesting because then say Nadal wins the Australian Open. That's his 21st major. He's going to go into the French. Yes, he lost to Djokovic there last year, but he's only lost three matches ever in Rolling Garros. So odds on Nadal wins that major. So now he's two up in 2022. Tennis, this would, Nadal winning this major would be so, so great for tennis. Big picture? Hell no, because it's another old man winning a major. You want Medvedev to continue his run. Or some, you know, uh, Sasha Zverev, get a W. Andre Rublev, somebody, you know, become a star. But, boy, that would be interesting. That would stay mainstream. Because I know going into Roland Garros, it would be a topic of conversation. It would be a topic. And another thing I'm interested in, Australia has these rules. Who knows where the world's going to be in a couple months? Hopefully this Omicron, and this is another thing. For the scientists out there, I don't know how you find the names of the variant, but how about the next variant? Just name it something that we can fucking pronounce, please. Just sidebar. But it'll be a, t what, what if France says, you know what? We think it's kind of, you know, it's unsafe for Novak to play here. What if, they, what, what if they follow the leader? And this is, this is a problem again. He can't play. You obviously want to see him play, but what if? And this story isn't over. Maybe the federal government will let him play. Because that brings in money for tourism too. Again, it comes down to dollars and cents. Is public health more important than Novak Djokovic being there? Yeah, but is getting some people to go to a tennis event, which will lead to them buying things and spending and going to hotels and yada, 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 boosting the economy. Is that important as well? You better believe it. So I, this is just a fascinating story. Still the court case. Who knows? where this is going. But as I pull up an app now just to see if anything has changed today, I don't believe it has. But no, nothing yet when it comes to Novak Djokovic, which is just, oh, the story. It, it just has so much. Yeah, no. He's in, this says Djokovic in limbo as he fights deportation from Australia. We'll see. He was in a detention hotel room last night, which, oh, this, this story, this, this, the gift that keeps on giving. But um, we'll, we're going to keep talking about this story you know, until, the, until the Australian Open. And I just find it fascinating that, and you, it, it, it only makes the story more interesting, more compelling, that the person that is, is being held is a person majority of people don't like. So, fair. So, that's
That's the Djokovic story. Again, a person that is not widely popular with the media, fans, or just human beings in general. Well, that brings us to another guy that is polarizing, to say the least. And that would be Aaron Bleepin' Rogers. And Aaron has been a topic for the last couple of years. Is he leaving Green Bay? Am I going to leave? Am I going to retire? You know, it's always something with Aaron Rodgers. It's, uh, Aaron, what's, what's your stance on vaccination? Yeah, yeah, I've been immunized. Then we find out week eight. Wait, no, you haven't been immunized. You lied about getting vaccinated. You're, you didn't get vaccinated at all. You went on the COVID list. You missed a game. So you were full of it. So I said a few weeks ago, if you recall, I think I was talking to, yeah, I was talking to Adam Beers. And we, were, we were previewing week 15 in the NFL. And we we're talking about the MVP. And I said at the time, it's going to be Tom Brady. Brady played some really good football. And you know, Adam kind of pushed back with me and he said, well, what about Aaron Rodgers? And I said, yeah, Aaron Rodgers is right there. But in my opinion, I didn't think he would win the MVP because people would hold, would hold him accountable for not being vaccinated. And I said at the time, I didn't think this was right. I think it's wrong. I don't think you should be, I think the MVP is about what your production has done on the field. But this was just a feeling of mine because I know cynics. You can, some people would make the argument that, oh, Barry Bonds and uh, Roger Clemens were Hall of Famers before they used steroids. Okay? They used them. Some people will never vote for them because they use steroids. Me! And I think I'm justified. But it's, it's human nature. But the thing for MVP voters, you can think what I just said, what, what I thought would happen. Some people wouldn't vote for Aaron Rodgers because he's not vaccinated or because Aaron Rodgers is a bit of an asshole. Great player. I, I think he's the most talented quarterback to ever play the position. But again, would I want to have a beer with him? Probably not because he'd tell me how much better he is than me, which he is. Only one, one Super Bowl though. But again, you think about it. He does have a great relationship with his family, which I can't blame him because his brother was on The Bachelor. And I'm sorry, but if my sister went to The Bachelorette or Bachelor, I don't know if I really want to talk to her either. You know, it's be, be a touchy subject in the, uh, in, at the old Christmas dinner. But nevertheless, he doesn't really talk to his parents. He's had a lot of different girlfriends, doesn't talk to his siblings. It's, it's a tough relationship there. But nevertheless, I voiced that. And little did I know that, oh, I'd be right. I'd be right in a big way. And I, I just have to bring this up because it's, it's a crazy, crazy story. And talking, so to bring the, the backstory. So Aaron, he calls on pa Pat McAfee show every week. And 
he talks about different stuff. He's talked about his toe injuries, gone on about different things. And again, a lot of people don't like him because he's a liar. He's already proved that this year. He's very polarizing. He thinks he's a lot, again, he thinks a lot smarter than a lot of other people, which who knows, maybe he is. And little this 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 week there was a reporter by the name of Hub Arkosh, and he's a reporter for Westwood One and Chicago Bears beat writer analyst. So he's been covering Aaron Rodgers in you know at least twice a season for a long time. The Bears are in the NFC North with Green Bay, if you recall. So he gets to watch Aaron Rodgers beat Chicago for a long time. So you got to keep that in mind. But he went on this radio station and he said this. I think he's about Aaron Rodgers. I think he's a bum. I think he's an absolute bum. I, I, I can only call the guy a jerk. And honestly, I think he's a bad guy. And he says, I don't think a bad guy can be the most valuable guy at the same time. I don't, think, I don't think you can be the biggest jerk in the league and punish your team and your organization and your fan base the way he did and be the most valuable player. Has he been the most valuable in the field? Yeah, you could make that argument. But I don't think he is clearly that much more valuable than Indianapolis Colts running back Jonathan Taylor or Cooper Cup at the Los Angeles Rams or maybe even Tom Brady. So from where I sit, the rest of it, it is why he's not going to be my choice. And uh, he even says... Added, there are no guidelines issued to MVP voters. So he says, I don't think it says anywhere strictly on the field. Although I do think he hurt his team on the field by the way he acted off the field, which can only mean his immunized status. He lied about being vaccinated. So what a statement by Hub Hub, I got to get his name. It's a tough name here. Hub Arkush who's been a voter for some time. And just for more context, the MVP, there are 50 voters. There's only 50, and he's one of them. And this is, what, what is, first of all, what a statement. And, you know, Harkush even said that he thinks, you know, he thinks that he'll, he'll win the award. And before I get to what Aaron Rodgers said in retort, Hub Arkush should be stripped of his MVP vote. He should never be allowed to vote for MVP again. He shouldn't be allowed to appear on interviews again, in my opinion, because I don't care if you don't like somebody. It is your job to cover the game of football. And if your reason for not getting somebody an MVP is something that is not directly correlated to the field of play, that means your judgment is tainted. That means you're not doing your job correctly. That means you're just looking at it and saying, I like Tom Brady more. Or, you know what, I cover the Bears, he's in Green Bay, this guy's an asshole. And somebody not being vaccinated is not a reason not to vote for them. It has nothing to do with what happens on the field. Nothing. What you do on the field, doesn't matter if you have a jab in your arm. It's your production. Kirk Cousins 
was having a really good year. Then he tested positive, missed a game. He was still having a good year. Carson Wentz has had, had a resurgence in Indianapolis. He doesn't have a jab. Does that take away from the fact that he got the Colts to the playoffs? No. He had a very good season. Tom Brady's vaccinated. Okay. That doesn't change it. And this, this topic is so, it's such a divisive topic. We get that. But for you to say, because I don't like the guy, because the guy's an asshole. Well, should OJ Simpson be in the Hall of Fame? Should Big Ben be in the Hall of Fame? If it's about what you do on the field, yeah, those two guys should be. And guess what? OJ Simpson is a one of the worst people on earth. But was he a great football player? You better believe it. And here's how I look at it. A person I really don't like, a person who does not get criticized, and even though he was accused of murder and somehow the, the case just went away, Ray Lewis. I don't like I don't like Ray Lewis at all. I think the guy's a scum. But somehow he doesn't get talked about in these same kind of conversations. He's just pushed, oh, it's Ray Lewis, the great, he found Jesus. And somehow if you find Jesus, then you're, you, you never did anything wrong in your in life before that. But I have objectivity. Is Ray Lewis a Hall of Famer? Yeah. Because he won two Super Bowls. He's one of the best linebackers to ever play the game. But you push personal decisions aside when you're making – this is a business decision. This is not nothing. You have an, an MVP vote. Okay, it might sound small potatoes to somebody who doesn't like sports. But to someone like me, where this is all – my life, that's all I care about is sports for the most part. Yes, there's other little things. But Hall of Fame, MVP, that matters to me. It means a lot to me. I don't like to see guys get in that were just average players. When I see first ballot Hall of Famers, I'm like, well, yeah, he's a good player. But that, that's it. I don't like that because I want sports to be – the Hall of Fame is not for the Hall of Very Good. And MVP voters are not for people – who just judge based on personal decisions. Get the fuck out of here, Hub Arkush. Who the hell are you? And does this change the fact that Aaron Rodgers is a dick? No. But should he win his fourth MVP if the season ended today? You better believe it. And so strip him, get out. Who's going to read his article and take it seriously? I mean, the fact that he said that you can have that this stupid opinion, by the way, but don't don't say it out loud. But Aaron Rodgers, of course, he heard this and he responded and he didn't hold back. Aaron said he doesn't know me. I don't know who he is. No one knew who he was, probably until yesterday's comments. True. But I listened to the comments and to say he had his mind made up in the summertime in the offseason that I had zero chance of winning MVP, in my opinion, should exclude future votes. Agreed. His problem isn't with me being a bad guy or the biggest jerk in the league because he doesn't know me, Rogers added. His problem is I'm not vaccinated. I agree. So if he wants to go on a crusade and collude and come up with an extra letter to put on the award, just for this season and make it the most valuable vaccinated player, then he should do that. 
but he's a bum and I'm not going to waste my time worrying about that stuff. <sighs> First of all, I know some people won't like calling it the most valuable. I need to read that again because that's just so good. The most valuable vaccinated player, the MVVP. <laughs> some people won't like that because again, it's taking a shot at people who are vaccinated. So in essence, me. But what I expect a self-proclaimed dick or asshole to not answer this way? No. And this is, again, as a 10-year-old kid, would I like this? No. I'd be like, oh, Aaron Rodgers is such an asshole. Why is he being so mean? You know, this and that. As a content, I love this. Love it. It's petty. But who doesn't love pettiness? I'm petty. Not Tom, but I'm petty. And he's dead on the money. This guy, this MVP voter, is some fly on the wall. I never heard of him. He'll never be heard of again. He should get his MVP vote stripped. And to be honest, they should look up who he's voted for in the last number of seasons and to see the correlation. If you see some wacky votes where it makes no sense who he's voting for, well, did he vote for Aaron last year? I doubt it. I'd like to see that data. Did he vote for Aaron? Who did he vote for last year in the MVP? He vote for Josh Allen? Did he vote for MVP? Did he vote for Patrick Mahomes? Didn't sound like he voted for Aaron last year. You remember Aaron won his third MVP last year on road to winning his fourth this year. But this guy did it for notoriety. And this is my problem with media people. I get it. You cover a market. I get it. You have to cater to your local markets. And I have some issue with that because I think there's a fine line of doing it. Like, I'll think it too off the top of my head. Jack Edwards is terrible. Nesson, I can't, I mean, I listen to almost every sporting event on mute. But if I see it, I will, I will try to watch it. Bruins Wild tonight, I'm going to watch that game. I'm putting it on mute because I can't listen to that, to that crazy bastard for two and a half hours talk about how, you know, there was a tripping penalty on this play. But, oh, there was two trips in the second that weren't called to give the Bruins a power play. I can't do that. Joe Bowen, Leafs fans, I'm sure love him. Holy Mackinac, all that. But he kisses more Leaf ass than, you know, season ticket holders. And I'm sure they love him in Toronto. So good for him. But I can't do it. I can't listen to Holy Mackinac and Leafs this. And uh, like, I, I just can't. There needs to be a balance. And I get you're covering the Bears. But you'd think if you covered the Bears, Vikings, or Lions, you'd have a better appreciation for Aaron Rodgers. For the dominance he's had for two decades on your against the, the team you're covering. The NFC North has gone through Green Bay for two decades, in most part because of Aaron Rodgers. And you've had a front row seat at least twice a season live to see him do it. So clearly you're a fan of the team because you can't look and say, 
okay, I, you know, I really want Mitch Trubisky to succeed. I really want Justin Fields to be great, but holy shit, what Aaron just did out there. Not many people can do that. See, there's that object. That's all it is. Having some objectivity. You know, you can call call every game for a certain team, but just say they're better. You know, yo, we have a good team here, but that quarterback over there, what we wouldn't give to have him. I mean, is it just pure stupidity? But again, I'm going to reiterate the same point. What you do off the field should have nothing to do with an MVP. Nothing. Because the most valuable player to his team is on the field. What have you done? How about 38 touchdowns, four interceptions? Is that good? Is that pretty good? Is it a good ratio? Plus 34. Touchdown to interception ratio. But this is just such lazy journalism. It's just such lazy. Give me a vote. Like, let me vote. This stupid bastard's allowed to for years. But for once, I'm completely on Aaron Rodgers' side. Am I on his side about him lying? No. Kirk Cousins, Carson Wentz, Darius Leonard, they all came out and said, I'm against the vaccine. No problem. But they owned it. They said it. And clearly, for a guy who says, oh, I don't care what the media says, nobody cares what the media says more than Aaron Rodgers. Because he didn't want to face the backlash of people saying, well, why didn't you get vaccinated? You're not for the team, this and that. He couldn't take that conversation. So he had to take the small man's way out and say, no, I'm going to lie about it and hope to get through the whole season without testing positive. Which is small man. It's a small man's mentality. But in this case, he is completely right. This guy was never going to vote for Aaron Rodgers. He was never going to vote for the person that deserved it the most. He's a Chicago writer that, that is saying, I cover the Bears. I'm sick of Aaron Rodgers kicking my team's ass in Chicago. And now that I know he's kind of an asshole and he's not, he doesn't have the greatest integrity and he's not vaccinated, which I am, well, I can use that against him. And, you know, that's another reason for me to give the award to Tom Brady. Get out. And the NFL should be proactive on this and just say, you're not voting anymore. We're giving it to journalist X. But to, to me, you need to be vetted before you get an MVP vote. I think you should, they should do this almost training type exercise where you, before you're allowed into that committee, you, before you give an MVP vote, you have to do it for multiple seasons just to get in, to see if your vote makes sense. It, you know, if, if there's a vote and you say this, this if the 95% of the people's sky's blue and one say it's red, well, maybe he shouldn't be voting because the guy's off his rocker. But I think that that's something that these sports leagues should do because two fans, two, hopefully, you know, I, I consider myself a media person. 
even though I don't consider myself the mainstream because that's too one-sided and that's too rooting for certain teams. You, there needs to be a level of respect. There needs to be a level of we're taking this serious. And to see this clown show get airtime to talk about vaccine. This isn't the place about vaccines. Criticize him about that when he missed games. Not when it comes to the MVP. It's got nothing to do with it. Nothing. Maybe you could throw that in there for the Hall of Fame. He's still getting the Hall of Fame, whether you want to or not. But those are just Djokovic, Aaron Rodgers. They provide so much content. And we've almost gone 50 minutes today in the podcast. I've only talked about these two guys. But they're two really, really interesting stories. Um, let's go to the game last night. And, oh, wow. And I'm talking about Toronto-Edmonton. And I was flipping, I was watching uh, the basketball at the same time, Mavericks, Gold State. I also want to throw in today, you know, what a great night last night in Dallas for the Mavericks where my guy, my boy, Dirk Nowitzki's number was raised to the rafters. Mark Cuban announced that Dirk will have a statue put out outside of American Airlines Arena. And, um, you know, I, I, growing up watching basketball, I, I love the sport because of Dirk Nowitzki. He was really, really tall, but he was a unathletic. He looked uncoordinated, you know, not so great shape, big white dude. And you just, you looked at Dirk Nowitzki and you said, well, how is this guy playing basketball and playing to the level of, Kobe Bryant and Tim Duncan and the great players of his era. Well, he did it and he did it in stride. He played 22 seasons in the NBA, all for the Dallas Mavericks. That's a record. Only playing for one organization. And his career, he's sixth all time in points. He won the 2007 NBA MVP. He won the 20, uh, 2011 NBA Finals MVP and winning the title in 2011 as well, defeating the Miami Heat. And again, he's my favorite player. I named my, my little wiener dog, my miniature wiener dog after him. Um, turned out to be a female dog, but I had the name picked out before I wanted to name a dog or an animal. The next animal I got, I knew was going to be named Dirk for a long period of time. And um, yeah, it, he, he just meant a lot to me. Uh, that finals run in 2011, I'll never forget it. What, you know, beating Kobe Bryant, the Lakers in the first round and grinding, getting past the Spurs, some really, really good players. And then in the final, the Heat were so favored. It was LeBron's first year in South Beach. And they were down 2-1, but Dirk was just so clutch down the stretch every game. Him and Jay Kidd, Sean Marion, just that team that overcame the odds and won you know, the franchise's only title. So congrats to Dirk. I can't wait to see the, the um, statue. And um, it's crazy that the jersey prices for, for the NBA, but... When I do get a man cave, um, when I get, 
you know, a better studio for myself. I do plan on splurging and buying a Dirk Nowitzki jersey, finding that, trying to get it signed, getting that one framed. So that, that'll be on the radar uh, in the not too distant future. But back to hockey last night. So I'm flipping back and forth, and it really made you want to watch basketball because, well, number one, there's a couple of good games. Uh, obviously, the Mavericks go by the, go by the Warriors, and you saw Kyrie Irving's return. Lance Stevenson came back from the dead to score 20 points in a quarter last night. But there was Edmonton, Toronto, and the game wasn't interesting at all. It was, again, I watched the, the, no fans doesn't bother me because I watched the game on mute, but there was no energy last night. Nothing. There was, Ed, and really what, what was the most alarming thing for me is you look at Edmonton, they had no McDavid, but most like if Toronto didn't have Matthews last night, they would have been fine. They would have won the game because Matthews didn't play that great last night. He wasn't really around the puck that much. He looked a little slow to me. They, they won the game with or without him. He wasn't a big factor on the game, in my opinion. But you look, no McDavid, it's just dry cycle. It's like a wasteland out there. It's dry, that's it. I mean, Brendan Perlini scores Edmonton's first goal, and it's his third of the year, and it's almost a shock. You saw his face. Like, Holy shit, that went in. And then Yamamoto finds dry saddle for his 26, which is the NHL leads the NHL in goals, but there's just nobody else that can provide any offense. And again, Toronto wins like they should. They need to stay in the race because you look at, you know, Tuesday night, Florida and Tampa both route their opponents. Florida destroys Calgary. Tampa goes into Columbus, lays a beating. And what I like to see from Toronto from from Florida and from Tampa, both three very good teams, three teams that could win a Stanley Cup. They're starting to get depth scoring, and that, that's the key. Your, your elite players need to be the elite players, but can you get guys that chip in? Well, Corey Perry's got nine goals on the season for Tampa. Patrick Maroon's got seven. Those two guys each had a goal on Tuesday, both on the power play, I might add. These guys are just fourth-line guys, but they contribute. They've been contributing all season. Tampa is getting Kucherov back tonight. They haven't had him for the last 30 games. Florida, Frank Vitrano, Brandon Montour on the back end, Mackenzie Wieger, Carter Verhege. These teams are having guys that contribute. Toronto, Ilya Mikheyev. Maybe it tells me more about Mike Smith that Mikheyev scored a goal, scores goal to win the game, but it still went in. Can't take that away from him. Cautious is finding the back of the net. Uh, they're back. Riley's getting good points this season. Still not number one defenseman, but he's contributing. That's that's how you win. You need your guys to. It's, you're better when you're a well-oiled machine. It's not just the top line. And now we get to Edmonton. Well, I'm not going to run through again. You know, it said the other, it's the point totals. Shore and Perlini and all these guys have seven points or less all their bottom players Derek Ryan has two goals zero assists on the season it's not good enough Kyle Turris Kyle Turris shouldn't be playing in the NHL like he is terrible and then I, I looked at Ken Holland and say I mentioned the goalie problem the other day but 
and kudos to this player. It's going to sound like a jab. I really don't mean it to be. When Cody Cece's playing really, really good hockey, and you have him on the third pair, that's a problem to me. And what I'm saying is, Evan Bouchard is playing 20-plus minutes a night. And I had to put this on my Facebook post last night, that could Evan Bouchard be playing worse? Because you watch that game, the guy looks like he doesn't even know what the hell he's doing. In his own zone, he might as well be fucking Pinocchio because his head's just here, here, here getting, getting pulled by a string. He's just, he's just looking around like, where am I going? Gets burned. Can't get the puck out of his zone. He is a nightmare. And I said this, I remember watching the World Juniors and I was told by people, well, at the time I didn't have the podcast, but they're like, oh no, it was one tournament. And I'm like, I, I, you watch a guy defensively, it's, it's easier to learn an offensive game and get better at it, in my personal opinion. It's way harder to be an offensive defenseman or an offensive-minded player and learn how to come back, to back-check, to give a shit in the defensive part of the game. And Evan Bouchard has not gotten better at it from age 18 till now. He's still a really, really bad defensive defenseman when it comes to just simple defending. Where are you supposed to be on this certain play? Okay, well, your defenseman's in the corner. Get your ass in front of the net. Block a shot. Cover your guy. Make an exit pass. And I don't like hammering the guy, but I'm watching the game. Cody Cece is playing well. And I've criticized Cody Cece a ton for good reason. But he's played really well this year for Edmonton. Now, you might look at the point totals and say, well, Evan Bouchard's got... 19 points. Okay. And then you go and watch, see Cody Cece. He's got nine. Cody Cece's been better. Even though he's at minus seven, which plus minus is the most, it's the stupidest stat on planet earth, but whatever. I mean, you look at this team. Zach Hyman played horrible last night for all the plus minus people that, Love that stat. He was minus three last night. Played 20 minutes. Horrible. He, he looks hurt or something. He is just. Pfft. Evan Bouchard played 23.55 last night. CC played 21. Like it's close, but it shouldn't be that close. The fact that you got Slater Cuckoo and William Legison only playing 13 minutes each. And Evan Bouchard played 23-55. Nurse, who is their best defenseman, played 25. Yeah, that makes sense to me. But you're not winning anything with him playing that big in minutes. And I don't like killing the guy. But it's just the fact. You're not, doing, you're not going anywhere with him. You're just not. He's not a good enough player yet. I don't think he ever will be. I don't. Edmonton's in some deep trouble and you know Dave Tippett's on the hot seat because he criticized Miko Koskinen and Koskinen said you know I can't score goals you know they've scored seven seven goals in their six games prior to last night fair point but also Miko Koskinen you are a beach ball the goaltending in Edmonton is pathetic I look at the, the winning goal by Mikheyev 
That should be a save. It's Ilya fucking Mikheyev. The guy's got stone hands. And he beat you clean. I mean, that should be a save. Edmonton's got deep, deep trouble because the only thing that Edmonton can really rest their laurels on right now is their division. Because thank God they're not in the central because they'd already be out of it. But Vegas, Vegas is a good team. They're going to the playoffs. Book it. Anaheim, Anaheim's a young team, but I like their spunk. They, they, they play hard. You know, they, they never quit. They, they're playing tonight against the Red Wings. I think that the Ducks can make the play. I mean, Troy Terry, hat trick the other night. And yes, he's slowed down. He's, he's, got, he's got 21 goals already. 30. Book it already. Calgary. I don't trust Calgary. They got whooped the other night by Florida, but I don't blame them all that much for that because Florida is the best team in the NHL, in my opinion. Uh, but, you know, they got three games in hand on Edmonton. So, and you're already up by two points. But, uh, you know, Calgary, I don't trust. L.A. is only a point behind Edmonton now. A point, and they got a game in hand. They play this evening against Nashville. Nashville's a really good team. But could L.A. squeak in? Who knows? San Jose, three points back. And then there's Vancouver. Who, you know, everybody's saying, well, Vancouver's played more games than anybody. Yeah. They play the same amount of games as Edmonton now. They're three points back. Bruce, there it is. You know, they're getting goaltending. Thatcher Demko, that's the key. Maybe your team stinks, but you can get on a heater if you got some good goaltending. Vancouver's defense stinks. Hamanek, Luke Shen, I've gone through it. But you get good goaltending, you can mask the stench. But it's a disaster at Edmonton right now. It just is. Uh, tonight, interesting games. I mentioned Minnesota-Boston. Uh, looking forward to that one. Minnesota uh, had some COVID issues. So their top prospects, Marco Rossi, who was drafted uh, ninth overall two years ago, make his NHL debut. Also Matthew Boldy, who was their first-round pick uh, three years ago. They'll make their NHL debuts tonight. You got Calgary in Tampa. So they're looking to rebound after getting bludgeoned by the uh, bludgeoned by the Florida Panthers the other night. Penguins, Flyers, always an interesting game. Can the Flyers turn it around the back half of the season? Really, I want to see Carter Hart do well. Can he find his game? Pittsburgh is one of the hottest teams in the NHL. They beat St. Louis last night. They are now, uh, you know, they're creeping up. They got 43 points. They're behind Carolina, Washington, and New York. But those teams are all really, really good. So that's that's not a bad position to be in. They are in a firm wild card position right now. Uh, they are seven points up on Boston for that for the first wild card spot. Detroit is trailing Boston by a game, but uh, Boston has five games in hand. Philly has thirty two points, trailing Boston by four points, but Boston has four four games in hand on them. Jets Avalanche. This is a game I'm going to tune into tonight for sure. Uh, talk about goaltending. Some teams can overcome bad goaltending, and Colorado does it regularly. Darcy doesn't matter if it's Darcy Kemper. You just see bad goaltending in Colorado, and they've overcome it. Winnipeg has had porous goaltending from 
uh, Connor Hellebeck this year. He's got a 267 goals against. That's not great. He's only got one shutout, but he is a really, really good goaltender. Can he find his game? I'm waiting for Winnipeg because they're in a really tough – Nashville's first in the Central. They've played 34 games alongside St. Louis. Colorado has only played 29. Minnesota with 31. They're all there. But Winnipeg has 37 points. They need to start winning games. Getting a big win against Colorado tonight would go a long way to gaining some confidence. You also got Rangers goal. I mean, this is a really, really good hockey tonight. So this is definitely a puck night for me. I uh, also got Celtics Knicks. That's not appealing. Uh, Clippers Suns in the night, the late game. That, that's somewhat appealing. But what I'm looking forward to this weekend, obviously football, you got hockey. And I'll be back tomorrow to podcast with Matt Wright about preview the national championship and, and the NFL games. But golf is back, baby. Golf is back in Kapawua, Hawaii. This is really the start of the new season down in Hawaii. It's a sneaky good tournament. It's a late start. You know, in Hawaii, you got those late tee times. So I love, you know, watch some golf this evening and throw that in the rotation. Love it. Um, you know, Phil Mickelson's playing. It's his first tournament there in 21 years. But you look at the field. Victor Hovland, who I think will win a major this year. Brooks Kepka, Colin Morikawa, two majors last year. Jordan Speed, John Rom, Sanders Shoffley, Bryson, Tony Finau, Phil. I mean, this, this is a loaded field to start the year, and this should be a great golf tournament. You look at the season, starts this Century Tournament of Champions. There's a Sony Open in Hawaii next weekend. Then they start coming back, going through, the, going through California, you know, the Pebble Beach, the Waste Management in Phoenix, one of the nicest courses on the PVA Tour. They go to the Genesis, uh, Arnold's Tournament, and then before you know it, it's the players, and then we'll see uh, the Masters. So it'll be here before you know it, uh, and it should be a ton of fun. I, uh, I'm glad golf is back in tonight. You throw that in the rotation. got some great hockey slate tonight. So I'll be back tomorrow with Matt Wright. We will preview the, the football action from – from for over the weekend this coming weekend and uh we'll be back on the weekend as well to talk about the hockey and everything else because there's just a lot right now that that's interesting uh Novak Djokovic what happens with that situation so be be tuned in lots like I said lots of content this year and we're going to be talking all about it but have the great rest of your Thursday everybody subscribe uh, uh Apple uh Spotify wherever you get your podcasts follow us on Facebook and all our social channels to see what we're doing and you can find the video version of the podcast on Facebook and YouTube as well. So until next time, stay healthy, stay safe. Talk to you soon.